And when the marriage is strong and the marriage is growing and the marriage is healthy, what that does for children is just absolutely unbelievable. And I've seen the opposite. I've seen people where they kind of ignore the marriage and they invest so much time, effort, and energy into Chinook skills and seminars and giving this kid what they need. And you know what? It only goes so far. Welcome back to Education, where it's all about raising passionate and committed Jewish children. Because whether we are educators by profession or not, we are all Jewish educators day in and day out in our own homes. We are educating our children on what it means to be a Jew, what it means to be a good person. My name is Yair Menchel, a parenting coach and passionate educator who really cares about the future of Klyestro. This week, we take a very different approach, focusing on how to improve our parenting through focusing on our shalom bias. We have the pleasure of hearing Rabbi Dr. Yosef Lin, whose expertise in marriage, both as an author and a marriage coach, made this conversation really fascinating. As Rabbi Lin says, the first step is to realize that my marriage is going to be everything when it comes to raising kids. A home is the two people building that home, and everything stems from shalom bias. You will gain practical tips on how to build the healthy and strong marriage that we all want from the lens of parenting. Without further ado, enjoy the episode. This week's guest is Rabbi Dr. Yosef Lin. Rabbi Lin is an educator, an executive coach, an author. Rabbi Lin has been the Mashkir Chorchani at Mahon Yaakov in Yerushalayim since its inception in 2005. He holds a doctorate in human and organiza- organizational psychology from Turo and earned a master's in applied positive psychology from the University of Pennsylvania, where he studied under the founder of the field of positive psychology, Dr. Seligman, which is really so cool, very impressive. Um, and Rabbi Lin has written two books, one on parenting, Nurture Their Nature, and one on marriage, Not a Partnership. So uh, amazing, amazing to talk to you. I really, a major thank you to you for taking the time today to talk, and uh, really so excited to have this conversation with you. Thank you so much for having me, and um, it seems like you're, you're, you're doing amazing work, so it's a privilege to be a part of it. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much. So first things first, what, what is your, what's your goal as an executive coach, as Mashki Chorchani? You have these two amazing hats on, and then you're also an author. So, you know, t- take me through your goals a little bit. Um, my, my goal is really to get people up and running for them to be the best version of themselves. And okay. that's what I would say the common denominator is in all of my endeavors to try and do that. Um, whether it's through my writing to give people certain paradigms and certain tools for success, whether it's mm-hmm. in marriage or in raising children, or just with my, you know, in my executive coaching practice or with my students is really just getting them that they can live the life that they want. Gotcha. And, um, and that's kind of, you know, the, the unifying theme throughout all of my work. Yeah, no, I see that. I see you have like that strong theme. What 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 prompted you to to write the books? Like, what need were you seeing that that you wanted to fill in in writing the books? So I felt that um, in the books that I write, I'm always very drawn to, you know, things that are what I find number one, it's needed, mm-hmm. and number two is that it's going to kind of create a big shift. Okay. Interesting. Um, what, do you, actually, what do you mean by that? The, the, interesting, the interesting thing is that I'm actually not really drawn to writing and I'm not really drawn really? to the world of creativity. So it was never like a dream of mine to write books. These uh-huh. books actually came out of where I felt like, whoa, I've got to do something here. Interesting. So my first book on marriage really is what I saw out there. And it's a book written for Jews and non-Jews mm-hmm. that myself, my co-author, we just saw that there was no book out there which answered the two fundamental questions of marriage. Number one, how do you define what a marriage is? Mm-hmm. And number two, what's the PDF manual of how to have a great marriage? Mm, amazing. So we like we looked around and I have, you know, I, I, but no one no one did this. So we felt like, okay, here we go. Here you go. And in so my what, what is that? Book, if, you, if I could stop you before you get to the second book, what what is that? Meaning number the number one, you know, what is... What is that marriage that you're, you know, that you describe? Like, what, what is that? So interesting. The, the book is called Not a Partnership. So right, which like, is it's so interesting. I, yeah. I remember when I first saw your account on, on Instagram and I, when I first discovered you, I was like, wait, not a partnership. <laughs> it's kind of no, what I would think the opposite. <laughs> right. And, and it's actually interesting. We did a lot of research that if you look in the world, in the, in the world of, you know, businesses or companies, 
that most professional partnerships actually fall apart quite fast. Interesting. And, hmm. and, you know, when you look at those kind of partnerships, what you really have is you have basically, you know, let's say you and I open a company together. So I have my, you know, role, you know, in my tasks and you have your role and, you know, your tasks. Mm-hmm. And what ends up happening after a period of time is that, you know, one partner looks at the other, like, are you carrying your weight? Are you doing all that you could mm. be doing? Are you pushing the limits? And a lot of these partnerships fall apart. And if you go into a marriage looking at it in that same way, you're finished. Interesting. Hmm. And a marriage is basically the exact opposite of that. You know, and a marriage is, you know, if you had to define what it is, like the elevator pitch, it's me dedicating my life to invest in another person for them to have the well-being, happiness, and life that they yearn for and desire. Hmm. Wow. And I'm going out of my way as my life mantra to keep that as what my number one priority is. Right. It's it's the idea of really constantly giving over of yourself just for the other, really looking for the other as much as much as possible. If you if you're both doing that, then you know you're both having your right. So now now you create a situation where you have two people doing that towards each other. Now you have a marriage. Right. Now Mm. obviously that's the ultimate partnership, but but that that's really how we define right. I got right. That's really how we define what a marriage is. And, And and you know and the other question was okay, what's the PDF manual? So like you said. The key to success, the number one most important ingredient that allows love to flourish is the idea of giving. Hmm. So the book really goes into all these different ways of how to give in your marriage. Hmm. Wow. So Amazing. we kind of look at our, our marriage book as like a prerequisite to all the other marriage books. Right. I hear that. And and I feel like also, and you know, like like you and I, I interrupted you before and I feel bad. You were you were about to go into how it's it's I feel like it's also a prerequisite to your second book about nurturing as, as a parent, you know, in order to, and what I really want to speak to you about today is specifically how we can improve our marriage to be the best parent we could possibly be. But I'll, I'll let you go on and continue with what you're going to say about your second book. But that was, you know, just, so, no, I mean, the second book is really just about, it, it's a, it's a powerful paradigm that um, I don't think that we focus on enough. And even more than that, I have just seen just through the, an enormous amount of gorgeous Torah sources, which speak about this is the idea, which is not only when it comes to children, identifying what their natural strengths are, mm-hmm. but helping those natural strengths come alive. Right. Chanoch Lenar al Pitarko. Right. Got it. Right. Right. And and Amazing. this idea, this paradigm, you know, again, we 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 spend a long time looking at different places. Again, I wrote with a different co-author. And this is really kind of just a, a beautiful arrangement of Torah sources that takes you through just how important this idea is. And not just important as like a nice idea, how much this should be the central focus of when we're raising our children. Wow. And it's cool that you that you co-authored books because I, I don't, that's not necessarily so typical per se. And I think that's cool. If anything, it shows practicing what you preach, this idea of, you know, not, not necessarily a partnership, but you each, you know, giving yourself uh, for the other, for that, for the success of the, of the greater good of the book. And, and, you know, that's, that's very cool. That's, that's very cool. It's actually interesting. I, I, I find I'm in, I'm in the middle of working on a third book right now and I'm mm. doing it. Can we get a preview of the topic? Can we get a preview? The topic is about the world of influence. Okay. Interesting. And Very when we think of influence, we always think about being an influencer, like, you mm-hmm. know, like you're going to influence others. Sure. And what we don't think about enough is we don't think about how we could use this idea of influence to proactively help us achieve our goals in our life. Mm. When you surround yourself with the right people, it's amazing how our life can change. Mm. You know, you want to become, you know, you want to exercise more. And now you start surrounding yourself with people who exercise a lot and it's a serious goal to them. Automatically, you're going to be, you know, you're going to be drawn in, to in that a different category sure. just because of the people you're surrounding yourself with. And I think that the world of changing something in our life takes so much work to really kind of like do things differently. that if we took into consideration this idea of, wow, 
how can the right people help me get to certain places, Hmm. I think our lives will look drastically different. I think it's like the ultimate low hanging fruit in personal change. So cool. But going back to your point, looking forward to it, writing it by myself, I I was saying to my wife the other night, like, I got to find a co-author to make this happen. Okay, I hear that. <laughs> that's so funny. That's uh, so you're really you're really practicing what you preach. That's very cool. That's very very cool. Trying, trying. So so let's let's get into this. Let's delve deep into this topic. Um, you know, parenting and 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 marriage. You 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 really you've given over these amazing, like you said, like these like PDFs, like how to do it. These you know manuals. If we can focus specifically on how we can take our own marriage. Um, and and improve it. Whether even if it, if it's a good marriage, make it even better, or maybe it's sometimes it's a, it's a harder marriage. How can we take that to be the best parent we can? And you know, also I guess you know, with playing on words of your second book, and nurture their nature. Mm-hmm. So I think like this. I think the first step is to realize how important it is. Meaning like this: when we're talking about the world of raising children and building a home. So you could look at it as, hey, it's also a nice thing to do and work on your shalom bias because that's important for the home. And, sure. it, you know, it's like a nice thing. Like you got to raise your kids and you got to go to work and you got to work on your shalom bias. Like, and it's just a nice extra thing that like, of course, any kind of engaged spouse should be thinking about that. Right, right. But that's a mistake. And I think that the first step is to realize like, whoa, my marriage is going to be everything when it comes to raising my kids. Mm. And, you know, what a home is, is the two people that are building that home. Such a great and point. Everything stems from Shalom Bias. Yeah. And, totally. you know, I, I can't tell you, I, I've taught many different classes on Chinuch. And basically, they all sound like Shalom Bias classes. Mm, that's so interesting. And I just find that if I can get and help facilitate people's marriages getting to the next stage, whether it's good to great or whether it's okay to like much better, the Chinook thing becomes like a de- you know like a side point that we can sure. figure out. Okay, yeah, let's take yeah. the seminar. Let's do this. It's 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 way more of a technical thing. For and sure. When the marriage is strong. And the marriage is growing and the marriage is healthy what that does for children is just absolutely unbelievable and i've seen the opposite i've seen people where they kind of ignore the marriage and they invest so much time effort and energy into chinook skills and seminars and giving this kid what they need and you know what it only goes so far mm-hmm. that's so interesting so, i feel I like i mean that, my the, conversations so far on this podcast i've mostly been focusing solely on parenting and and i it's at when i when i when i first came across your your you know everything you do i was like this is an amazing conversation to have and and the more we're talking about it, i feel like wow this is this is so integral we should we should we should we should start with this you know this is this is so important wow that's amazing so how do you, you said you facilitate it how do you how do you facilitate that couples need to sit down and make a real assessment of where their marriage is up to Mm-hmm. And the, the most important thing I always tell people when it comes to marriage is great marriages don't happen. They're built. Mm. There's no such thing as a great marriage because two wonderful people showed up at the chuppah and now their marriage is amazing. Right. Right. Great marriages take a lot of work, time, effort, you name it across the board. Yeah. And I find that when people realize that and they say, okay, let's build something amazing it's it's unbelievable what can happen but i find that what has to happen initially is couples need to sit down and make a real assessment mm-hmm. what's going right what's going wrong where sure. do we need to get to what are the patterns that are issues you can do that you know a couple can do that on their own a couple can do that with a coach a couple can do that with a therapist there are many ways of how to go about it right but i think that the couples when they just stop focusing on the kids and they start focusing on themselves mm. as far as them as a unit. Right. I can't tell you how many situations I've seen in homes where like, you know, they think it's the issue with the kid and the kids struggling here. And all of a sudden they just work on the marriage. And like all of a sudden, Whoa, that issue goes away. Right. 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 And it, it, it's such an unbelievable thing to see. It, it's, it's pretty basic and pretty logical. Yeah. Yeah. But we lose sight of it. Totally. And I think that when when couples, you know, they can just sit down and, and, and figure out, okay, 
let's make a real assessment of our marriage. Then you'll have in front of you all the clear data as far as, okay, now what to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's a, that's a very, very strong point. I feel like some, it's hard sometimes for couples, even if they're sitting down and being real about it, to realistically necessarily make that shift. Like what what are those steps then, you know, okay, we've, you know, we sat down, we figured it out. What what are the practical steps of taking it from good to great or from it's a bad to good? Or, you know, how do, how do they realistically go about making those those shifts, those changes? So I, I would tell you, I think there's, there's a few things which can be really helpful. Mm-hmm. Okay. Number one is I find that it's a fascinating thing. You know, when it comes to our professional lives, like we get super prepared along the way. Like, you know, you go to undergraduate degree, your master's sure. degree, you're, you're like, there's so much like training to like finally that now do our thing. And, you know, if you ask people like, what's the most important area of your life, you'll say my marriage and like that. And then you ask, okay, so tell me about, you know, how did you prepare yourself? Like what kind of education did you do in order to get ready for this thing? Right. And it's kind of like, you know, like, so I find that one of the most kind of uh, ignored areas of education is the world of marriage education. Right. And I find that, that one of the best things that couples can do is start to immerse yourself in the world of marriage education. There's so much material out there, how to communicate better, how to deal with strife, how to balance finances in a way which doesn't cause frustration, how to deal with disagreements, you name it. There's so many tools and, and, things out there, systems, and if you just spend time learning about them, you'd say, wow, unbelievable. Yeah, it's true. It's very um, true. Number two is that don't be afraid to bring in outside help, even if it's just to go from good to great. You know, most of the, like in my, in my coaching, most of the couples I work with are couples where things are going well, but they want them to be awesome. Mm-hmm. And okay, let's figure out how to do that, whatever it may be. But don't, don't be scared to bring someone else into the loop here, especially when you have in mind, you're not just doing this for your marriage, but you're doing this for your children as well. Right, right. That's a great point. Right. And number three is I think that people also have to be brave enough and open enough to think about what they're bringing to the table as far as their own personal issues. Mm that may need work. And all of us know, you know, people are not that complicated. We usually have a, a few kind of core issues and those issues schlep everywhere. Yeah. They come up yeah. with your kids, they come up in your marriage, they come up in your community and they especially come up at work. Yeah. Yeah. And what happens a lot of times, you know, I find this may sound funny with a lot of times of couples, what you can often do is just say, okay, you know, you can say to the husband, what's the major issue you need to work on? And you say to the wife, what's the major issue you need to work on? And you can kind of split them up and get them to do this individual work in a strong way. And all of a sudden you see like, whoa, the marriage is, the marriage changes, changes drastically. Mm. That spills over to the kids. Like, right. So I, I think that's an important part of the process as well. Yeah, no, it sounds, uh, it sounds really important. So one, one of the things that you just mentioned is, you know, when, when parents sometimes are, are not agreeing. Um, and you know, a lot of, a lot of parenting is sometimes, you know, co-parenting needing to make a decision together. So what, what do parents do when they, when they don't, they, they don't agree, they need to make some sort of decision together. I mean, it could be a big decision, could be even a little decision. How do they navigate that? How do they navigate co-parenting? And, you know, I think this applies both when, whether you're married or not also, you know, like meaning sometimes if, if, uh, if, uh, parents are not married still, they still need to co-parent. So how do, how, how can we, you know, what, both aspects, I guess. Right. So let's, let's put aside, let's say, let's say a divorced couple, I guess a different, different situation. Sure. Let's take a regular couple. Um, one of the biggest things when you see that, that around the topic of making decisions together, or getting on the same page or anything, it really falls under the category of communication. Mm-hmm. And that's a real skill that most people don't kind of look into as far as how to make it go better. Mm. And there are two fundamentals to great communication. Number one is timing. Mm-hmm. And number two is how you say it. Mm. Okay. Number one, timing. Timing is very important. Right, <laughs> right, right. It's very it's important. The right time to talk about it is, is, is now the moment where both of us have the headspace for it. Mm-hmm. Is now a time when both of us have had some sleep. You name it. 
You know, mm -hmm. you can go into that forever. Number two is how do you say it? Do you say it in some sort of attacking way or do you say it in a way which is, you know, aggressive and strong and who knows what? Right. And also sometimes people are not even aware, self-aware enough to know that they're saying something in an attacking way and, you know, whatever it is, you know, in that, in that harsh way. You got it. So I find a lot of times couples are not on the same page because they don't communicate about things properly. Mm -hmm. Okay. And when couples actually do go through the exercise of trying to communicate about, let's say, the big things in life properly, and they really go out of their way to kind of meet these two criteria, mm -hmm. I find that even if they disagree they're going to find a way of how to work together in a very positive manner. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So that, that's what I've, I've, I've seen. So, you know, of course, it's super important to be a unified front. It's super important to try and figure out how to get on the same page. I think that when couples sometimes get stuck, sometimes it may be worth, again, at that point, bringing an outside source, a mentor, a rabbi, a therapist, someone else to kind of maybe help you figure out how to get on the same page or find some sort of middle ground. Sure. But again, I find that even without that, if couples just got better at the world of, you know, communication, so many of the things that we find that we're not on the same page about or we disagree about, right. many of those things would actually fade away because you're just not going about discussing them in the right manner. Interesting. So how, like, how can they communicate and discuss it in a manner where they won't lose their shalom bias over disagreeing? Meaning they're going to, uh, of course, parents are going to disagree on things, you know, husband and wife, right. wife and husband, they're going to disagree on things. Um, so how, how, how can they go about disagreeing in a way that's still respectful? And, you know, also, you know, keeping in mind that the way that they disagree sends a certain message to their children. So if they disagree in a, in a, in a respectful way that, you know, that sends a certain message to their children of the right way to disagree with others and, and still, you know, maintain positive, healthy relationships. So how do, how can they, how can they practically do that? I, I think that what's, what's important is, again, there are many aspects here we can go into, but I think that one of the most important things is that, you know, when couples, let's say are disagreeing about an issue, what to do, the most important thing to keep in mind is what's going to be the healthiest thing for the children. And the healthiest thing for the children is going to be that the parents have a unified front and they're on the same page. You know, just because you're on the same page as someone doesn't mean you 100% agree with them. Doesn't mean that you would do it that way. Right. You know, right. there are many things in my professional life where like, hey, I wouldn't have done it that way. I don't necessarily agree with how it played out, but I'm 100% right. behind you. Mm -hmm. right. Because right. why? For the greater goal, it's important that you and I are a unified front. So it's okay. It's okay for people to disagree. It's okay for them to not see eye to eye. Welcome to being human and normal. But it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that, okay, even if we do have you know, a situation where we're not coming out the same way, it doesn't mean we can't be a united front and a, a team that's working together when it comes to engaging with our children. Right. That's, that's such a strong point. So what would you say are some practical tools that parents can, that you would give over to parents, you know, when you're, if you're meeting with parents to, as to how to do that, how to, how to make that decision and still be respectful, keeping, keeping that bigger picture in mind. So I think that there are, you know, there are many things here, but I would tell you like this, let's say you have a couple that's married and they now have to go deal with their children and they're coming out with a decision, okay? Now, that decision may be a decision that one you know, party doesn't really agree with so much, but they realize, okay, this is the right thing, but they just it doesn't sit right with them or they're not happy about it or whatever it may be. Sure. But they realize the healthy way to go is the way we're deciding. So I think that, that you now want to go into like the human element of it, which is okay, you know, like I would say to my wife, okay, so what should we do now? We're going to deal with the kids and we're going to go speak to them about this. I know you're not so excited about it. Right. <laughs> but like, okay, what can we do to make this moment go as smooth as possible? Mm, that's so smart to like pre to pre plan of like how you're going to go. That's so interesting to talk about it, to talk about it. And mm. all of a sudden when you start talking about, let's just, let's talk about the reality, not like, okay, here's what we're doing. Everyone's fine with it. Like, right, right. No, that's, that's a great point. So I think that when you kind of just speak about the realities, okay, we're going to go speak to the kids now, or we're going to go into the school meeting. And I know you're not excited by this, but we've come to the conclusion this is the best way for our family to go. Mm. So let's talk about the reality of what's going to happen right now. If I'm sitting in the meeting now, 
with, you know, let's say I disagreed with the real choice, but I'm going with it because that's what's best for our family. And I sit in the meeting now with bad body language and I have passive aggressive right. comments mm-hmm. and I kind of, I'm looking to nitpick all the areas that like I disagree with. So like, whoa, that's, yeah. so I think that we have to, we have to be real with the fact that sometimes, you know, when it comes to, let's say being a unified front, if one spouse isn't necessarily on board, we realize it's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Let's be real about some of the frustrations that may come out during these conversations that we have with our kids right now. Yeah, that's such an important point. Wow, that's a that's a very very strong point. And, and same idea, but sl- a slightly different perspective on it. How would you say Sean bias affects decision making? Meaning, sometimes you need to make a decision, but the you know Sean bias, you know you know you you know you and your spouse disagree about this. How do you go about making that decision actively when you know for a fact? You know, like exactly what we're talking about, but you know, you know, you're going to have to. So how do you then go about, you know, how do, how do you, how do you let that, uh, how do you, I guess, how do you make that decision, even though the Sean Bias's issue is, is touchy there? So I think like this, I think that when our Sean Bias is strong, we are way more flexible when it comes to the world mm-hmm. of marriage. We're open to hear things differently. We're open to go down a path that maybe we don't agree with. We're open to be wrong right. you name yeah. it when 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 the relationship is strong the world of communication especially about tense issues is so much easier because there's so much good energy that is overriding right. this moment right but when the relationship is not strong what ends up happening is that every single time that we disagree it just becomes a battleground to like speak about all the other real issues that are going on deep down inside, but we're going to use this issue as like, kind of like, right. you know, an scapegoat yeah. in some way. So, you know, I have, I've been in a situation where I've seen a couple and like, they're arguing about like, what seems like a pretty mundane point, but you could tell, Whoa, there's a lot of pain behind what's yeah. going on here. And obviously it's not because they're trying to figure out, you know, which school to send their child right. to. There's something much sure, bigger going on sure. here. And therefore, you know, the job is say, whoa, let's zoom out here because if we don't deal with this now, it's just going to manifest in every single thing that comes up where each person goes to their corner and therefore it's not about a team working together. It's, you know, it, it's how about moving forwards in a very stressful right, situation. Right, for sure. And you also mentioned before that parents, you know, each, each parent comes into the, to the marriage with their own things that, you know, like from their childhood to things that, you know, happened to them or the way that they were parented and different things that could just be, you know, their sensitivities. How do, how does a parent kind of not leave that at the front door or, you know, but deal with that in a way that doesn't, you know, manifest itself in that, in that negativity, meaning how, obviously a, a good answer would be therapy. Right. And, and dealing with these things in a head on way. But how, how can how can people just, you know, help deal with help themselves, you know, self-help? I, I think that, you know, I think that there's two things. Number one is a person has to be aware of the sensitivities that I bring to the table. You know, let's say someone grew up in a home with, you know, a lot of money issues. Right. Now, every time there's a money issue that comes up, they're going to like, whoa, get super right. defensive, get triggered right scarcity away. mentality. Sure. Like, it's like, wow. So I think number one is for people to be aware of what their triggers are, what the issues are, mm-hmm. okay? What the differences are. So let's say the husband grew up with a scarcity mentality and real money issues and the wife didn't. Like, we've got to, it, it doesn't mean it's not the right match, but we have to just speak about how this could come up. Right. Number two is that I think we all have to take responsibility for our issues that are way outside the world of normal. Mm-hmm. So for if sure. someone has a real, let's say, a real issue with money, you know, obviously all of us have a little bit of money, something. But let's say, again, I can't, I can't nitpick everything, but let's say there's like a world of normalcy and then like you're a real outlier. You know, if that's me, I've got to take responsibility and say, whoa, this is going to impact my marriage and my children. I've got to work on this. Mm -hmm. And that could be, that could, it doesn't mean Yosef wants to go to therapy might be a good thing and I'm all for it, but it may be, I just have to spend some time reading books about it, or maybe they're go to seminars or maybe, 
speak to a mentor. I, I, you know, there right, are so right. many resources out there today that are are helpful kind of outlets that just you know you can you can start many places across the board. Obviously, if it's a real deep trigger and it's causing crazy reactions, okay, so maybe okay, let's start with therapy. But if it's like you know, not that crazy, but it's, you know, definitely not healthy. You can start with many things. There's just, there's an endless amount of kind of resources available for us today that are in front of us that can just be such great tools for us to get the life that we want. Right, right. So true. And we, you know, we mentioned it briefly before that uh, a divorced home is obviously very different, but uh, just, you know, to talk about that for a minute here, how, how do you parent if you don't have control of the home? Meaning if a child's going to another home, so, you know, it's very hard for you then to, you know, there's certain things that you just are out of your control. How can you, how can you parent in that type of situation? So I think that it's a very obviously delicate, sensitive issue. It's, um, you know, divorce is something that we're seeing a lot of these days. Um, and what I've seen and again, I would, I would advise someone, you know, especially that to speak to an expert and, and how to deal with children and, you know, them being in two different homes. That's, there's a, you know, there's a lot of people who have spent a lot of time really understanding how to navigate this. What sure. I've seen is that the reality is, is that the more we just focus on taking responsibility for the experience that the child has in our home, the better it is. Mm-hmm. And because that's really the only thing that you can control and that you can really do anything about. Now, what I would say is that hopefully what can happen here is that even though there's a divorce, hopefully in the ideal world, you can still have two people who are the parents of this child figure out a way of how can we communicate Mm -hmm. and how can we make decisions together in order to be able to give this child the safest and healthiest upbringing. Sure. And I've seen some situations of divorce where I've seen it go really bad, obviously, but I've seen situations where like, okay, we may not be the right match for each other as far as us being married, but we both love our child very deeply. We realize that divorce is not easy for anyone here. And therefore let's work together to figure out how to make this process smooth as possible. And it can really be something very, it can be be awesome. Right, right. Yeah, that's, and that's... obviously there's, uh, you know, it's hard to do that because there's sometimes there's pain, there's hurt, there's many things, but I have seen divorced parents be able to do that. And it's really beautiful. And it really can be such a game changer as far as how that child will go through life. Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. That's a, that's a very strong point. You know, I guess looking at it from a little bit of a different perspective, how do you, how do you navigate disagreements if you and your child are disagreeing on something? Hmm. So that's obviously it's a, a bit of a different thing. Um, a lot of times I think the most important thing to focus on is that having a disagreement with a child is, is an okay thing. Again, we can talk about a whole separate world of discipline. What do you do when you tell your child to do something and they disagree and right. or they don't listen to you? Okay, but you know, a person can have a disagreement with their child. What you want to watch out for is that if all of a sudden it starts to trigger other things in you, you don't feel in control, mm. you're, the child is hitting buttons inside of you that are really sensitive, mm. that's when you want to kind of like really like be aware of what's going on because right. if you're not aware of what's going on, you could end up reacting to your child mm. or forcing your child to do something, which is really not the best thing for your child, it's just coming from your own unhealthiness. Sure, sure. Right. So like take a step back and just realize, be, be cognizant of the situation. I mean, same, same, similar of what you were saying before when, when, you know, dealing with an issue in your own marriage of being cognizant of what, what's going on with you internally as you're having this disagreement or this conversation and in going into it accordingly. That, that's a, well, right. that's strong. And I that's think that the, the more we can do that, the more we can just get better at listening to ourselves. And mm. again, I'm not talking about techniques of mindfulness and these, these are all great things. I'm just talking, just if you all of a sudden see like, whoa, this conversation is really making me feel uncomfortable. I'm really overly frustrated by this interaction. Just trying to figure out, okay, what's going on here? Right. So what do you do in that moment when you are feeling that way? I what should like a parent this, do? Again, the first step is to recognize it. The second step, 
probably that moment is to disengage from the conversation uh-huh. because this is probably going to go someplace that you don't want it to go. Right. Kind of like you if may, you have nothing nice to say, don't say anything at all. Like just walk you, away. You, and you may end up, you may end up saying things or doing things or whatever that you're going to regret. And that may be detrimental to your relationship with your child. Sure. Sure. Yeah. And that's what I find. You know, I always tell, I always tell couples when you're arguing, the most important thing you have to figure out is how can you get out of this argument as soon as possible? Mm-hmm. So what happens is all of a sudden, let's say you're in, in interaction with your kid and you know, all of a sudden it, it's triggering something. I, I usually find the best, like, let's step away from this before this goes someplace that I don't want it to go because we all know the greatest thing that we can do when it comes to dealing with our children, whether it's a disagreement discipline anything is for us to be in a healthy place sure the more that we are a healthy adult that's going to be the greatest thing we bring to the table as far as being you know a great parent and being able to give this child what he or she needs sure sure and the, yeah. and the more we're not that it's a real problem so i find that you know in those moments i've just seen many times i've experienced it myself where you know what whoa this is not going to go in the right place and I'm going to hit the pause button here. Sure. The problem is we get caught in the world of urgency that all conversations have to happen right now. We do that in our marriage. We do that mm-hmm. with our with our kids. And you know there are very few things when it comes to your marriage or your kids that are really urgent and have to be dealt with right now. Right. Right. The Svasama says by uh, with uh, with Yosef that the way he stopped the the Torah, he said the, the the Torah says and then there's a there's a stop in the in the trap because he says. You just need to stop. Just stop. Shh. Don't don't even go into anything else. Just 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 stop it before you get into the conversation with the ATR or with anything. Just that's the way. So you know, same same idea here. Just stop the conversation before you go any further because you know otherwise you're you're just gonna go down to a, nice. go, go on a dangerous path. Nice, awesome. I like that. Yeah, it's a beautiful, Spasamus. It's amazing. Beautiful. Um, going you know going more to to I guess a little bit on on the going further with this idea of parenting, but specifically within, you know, nurturing our children, what practical steps can parents take to help their children actualize their potential? Um, I think like this is that when it comes to our children, um, I think that one of the most important things to figure out is that what makes our children unique and special. And, you know, like you said, educate a child according to his way. But I think we have to really sit down and figure out like what makes this kid special. Mm -hmm. And then what the job of a parent becomes is you become the ultimate facilitator to try and give this child so many opportunities in life where their natural strengths can come alive. Mm -hmm. And I find that when parents can do that, what you build in the child more than anything else is a whole world of self-esteem. Right. Right. In today's world, when a kid has good self-esteem, they can they can do anything. <laughs> they can do anything, and yeah. we all know the opposite is true. Yeah, I've seen brilliant children who can do anything and navigate the world of learning in a world-class way. And but if there's no self-esteem there, uh, life, you know, becomes a real issue as far as learning how to navigate it, how to thrive, you name it. Yeah. That's uh, it's it's very very true, and so you, I, 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 yeah, please. So I, I find that that it's really important just for parents, you know, to to in, in a real practical way sit down and figure out, okay, what are your kids great at? Where do your kids come alive? Where are your kids excited? And then think in a real practical way, what can I do to allow my kids to become better at these things that they're naturally drawn towards? Mm. Let me get them lessons in this topic. Let me put them in an after-school program like this. Let me put them in a summer camp that focuses on this. Let me put them in a school that learns this way. Don't know. Right. Whatever you can do, obviously, we all live in certain communities and systems and these types of things, but whatever you can do to build that child according to what they're naturally great at, the results are just absolutely awesome to see. Yeah. No, I feel like it's so easy for like, it's, and more common maybe for parents to want, you know, everything for their child. So I'm going to get them the, I'm going to put them in the basketball league and the guitar lessons and this and the, and, and, and try to, let's throw everything at the wall and see what sticks. But it's like, and in certain times, like, okay, it's good to see what sticks, but at the same time, just hone in on it before you try to do that and say, what's, what's really 
you know, who, who knows a child better than the parent, right? Who know, who right. really knows? So, so, so really tap into that. That's, a, that's such a strong point. I love that. That's great. And that's what I find. I find that when, when, when parents can do that, it's just amazing just to see how kids flourish and, you know, what this deals with, you know, I, I was just speaking recently about sibling rivalry. And one of the keys to success there is that when, when kids feel like they get what they need and what's appropriate for them, that not only takes away a lot of the issues between siblings, but siblings can now really appreciate mm. who the other ones wow. are. That's cool. Because like, okay, I got my special unique world and you have your special unique world. And like, because I feel great by myself, I can now celebrate people who are different than me. Sure. That's very cool. That's very, very cool. Yeah. I like that a lot. And, and I, I saw that you have this, you know, this excerpt in your book about how, you know, if, if parents, if any, any education and child raising that don't nurture individualization, that's, that's simply in, incomplete. Is that, you know, is this the best way to, to find that individualization or are there other ways as well? I, I think this is the whole starting point. You have to figure out, you know, how, you know, we are individuals by figuring out how our DNA is different. Mm. And that's where, you know, you don't want to look at just individuality based on like just superficial expressions. You want to go deep sure. as far as how we made differently. And where we are made differently, you know, many people out there struggle with the same issues, laziness, arrogance, you know, self-esteem. You, you, can, you can name the list. I, I, I probably fit like 10 of those categories on a bad day. <laughs> but where we're really different is our unique makeup that we have. Right. And the job of a parent is to recognize that unique makeup and help a kid build a life accordingly around it. Sure. So, and then what, what should, what can parents do to be mindful of, I guess, specifically in their marriage and in their home to cultivate that self-concept of the child? Meaning besides for not just specifically looking at the child, which obviously is, is where it all starts, but what else can parents do in their marriage, um, to, to best bring that out? So I'll tell you like this is that, um, you know, it's funny, let's, let's, you know, this idea, this paradigm of describing what's important for, you know, for, for children about like the real fundamentals of what has to be built kind of into a child from a young age and then developed over time. You know, if a parent can't do that themselves, if they're not doing it in their own personal life, right, it's going to be hard to do that for your children. Mm. And therefore, what I find is really important is for parents to figure out, like, okay, what are my natural, unique strengths? Mm. And am I living my life accordingly? Right, right. Hmm. The more I live, the more that's my way of how I live life. And and I'm experiencing all the bliss that comes along with that. The more I'm going to be able to give that over to sure. my children. Right. Not just the overall message of it, but I'm actually going to do that for them. Right. Practicing what you preach and then, you know, being a model yeah. for that with, with yourself, you know, it's a... Marriage is like everyone, parenting. Everyone always says is all about modeling. So if you're able to model that for your for yourself, doing that with yourself, then you'll be able to do it so much better with your with your children for sure. And just just a funny side note is I actually have a seminar on this. Of you, you mentioned about couples, you know when I there, there's um there's a great book written a long time ago called Divorce Busters. Mm. And what she found is that she took a lot of couples. She found that people. You know, when it goes to their first marriage, to the second marriage, a lot of times similar issues can repeat themselves. Mm. And she took a lot of couples before they got divorced. And what she did was she said, okay, these are the issues that you have together as a couple. Right. And she said, okay, but what's going right in your marriage? What are the things you like doing? What are the things that connect you? What are the things that excite the both of you? Meaning all marriages have those data points of we love doing that together. We both are interested in this. We both, and she got these couples to start kind of making a list of not only what's right in their marriage, but then starting to act on that. And she saw a lot of changes. Hmm, that's so and cool. This is an idea I've seen all over the place. Um, I actually have a seminar that does this with couples. Hmm, cool. Um, so just the idea of, you know, understanding what our strengths are and building on that, 
that could even also play out in a way of how couples can really kind of get their marriage to a next level. Okay, everyone, everyone should check out that seminar. I'll put your I'll put your website on the uh, on the okay, podcast notes for sure. That's awesome. I you know I want to you know as we as we start to end off, I'm curious. You know what uh, what what is your approach in terms of technology? Not in terms of you know obviously technology plays a big role in terms of children's lives, but in terms of marriage. You know what what I I feel like everyone there's uh, there's a lot of talk about how we should you know, decrease technology so that way we could be more present parents. But what about in terms of our marriages? How, how have you seen, I guess, in terms of your seminars, in terms of, you know, your coaching, the couples that you meet with, what ways do you see technology being either sometimes positive or sometimes negative or a little bit of both or, you know, and, and, and what practical tips would you give as to how to, I guess, utilize technology in the best way to, you know, in our, in, to, to, be, to, to model that in our homes for both for our marriages and also for our, for our children? Okay, so we could for sure spend 15 <laughs> hours talking about this topic. Sure. And I think it is such an important topic to speak about because technology dominates our life today. Right, right. We are with it nonstop. And me personally, I'm a huge, I'm very pro-technology. I'm not here to anti this. And it's like, and I, and I really believe that the most important thing we have to do when it comes to our children is model what it means to use technology in a healthy manner. Mm -hmm. Okay. But we could, we, we, we could, and we should speak about this for hours. And I think that there needs to be more seminars and more discussions and okay, more well, ways about episode it. number two with you. We'll have to get episode that. number, number two through a hundred. <laughs> but, but, um, so, but let me try and just focus on one particular thing. Um, there are many issues that I can bring as far as in the world of marriage, you know, us not being able to connect because one person's always on the phone or people looking at things that are highly inappropriate or, I, I, again, the list can go on. One of the biggest problems that happens in the world of marriage is... Um, something called social comparison theory. Hmm. And what ends up happening is, you know, if you move through Instagram or any other social media feed, you know, there you are and you're basically seeing a snapshot usually of the best of the best. Of yeah. People thriving and people having great energy and people looking good and people smiling. And what I've seen more than anything else is that it can just make couples live in a world that, wow, everyone else is doing great except us, or look how good X, Y, and Z have it, or my spouse doesn't do these five things, or you name it. Sure. And what I find is that it pulls us away from us embracing our spouse and saying, I've got to work hard to make an amazing marriage you know, and I've got to really put my efforts in to get us to where we want to get to. Right. It makes it seem like and it's almost instantaneous and like a given and obvious without much work or, you know, it doesn't show all the work that goes into all that for sure. And that, and that's, and that's a huge problem. And people don't think about that enough, but you know, you scroll through it and you're just seeing, you, you just see such great images. And again, I'm not here to knock social media or but people have to realize like, whoa, by looking at these things, it has an impact. Sure. And especially when all of a sudden, you know, you, 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 you take away, you know, your phone and now you look, you know, throughout your house and people are not as manicured and people don't look as good and the meters are not that great and we're having a rough day. And it's like, whoa, look at my, you know, friend right. who seems to just be like, you know, in a state of bliss right now and look where they're traveling to and look at that new, it's like, Listen, this happens enough by just being in a community and us comparing ourselves to others. But right. now with the world of social media, we've expanded that. Right. Not just within your own, you know, let's say 20, 30, 40, maybe 50 families, you know, now it's like, it could be a thousand, it could be thousands. It could be, yeah. you know, yeah, totally. And, and, and what you have to ask yourself is that, you know, the things that you're doing on social media you have to ask yourself is, is that, is this building my marriage or not? Mm. And that is a, a healthy question that can allow people to figure out maybe this I should follow and maybe this I shouldn't follow. And we can justify things to the nth degree. I need this for work. I need this for this. And if that, uh, you know, I'm not here to get involved, in, but 
Yeah. But a lot of times there are things that maybe, you know what, I don't need to be involved in this or it's not necessarily, you know, it's not necessarily something I have to do. Right. And because maybe it's taking me away from the real work that's in front of me more than I think. Right. Yeah. That's a, that's a very, very, very strong point. Amazing. And uh, before, before we end, you know, you mentioned before discipline, I'm just curious, you know, as a, as an educator, as an executive coach, as a, you know, marriage, you know, and, and seminar, everything, all, everything you do, what is, what is, what is your approach towards discipline in your, in your home? Listen, I find like, like we, we spoke about is that role modeling is, is everything. And, you know, I, I find that the more I can integrate these ideas into my own life, the more that my children pick up on them. And the more I kind of have to speak about them a lot, it's usually an indication I'm not actually living that way. Uh-huh. Interesting. I always tell, I always tell my students, the more that you explain to your kids, like what your values are and what's important and, you know, these types of things, usually it's an indication that you're speaking about a lot because your kids aren't seeing it. Right, right, right. That's a great point. Well, I, I just find, you know, it's just so funny. I just find the more I can focus on bringing these ideas into my own life, my wife can do the same. The spillover to our children is awesome. And the mm. less we do that, these become nice ideas that we speak about and we discuss and we have books on, but you don't really see them play out. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, such a strong point. Wow. Amazing. Well, I want to thank you so, so much for taking the time imparting so much wisdom. Uh, the, the ideas, the, the idea, it's a basic idea of communication, but the way that you explained it today was, was so incredibly helpful. And really, I mean, from A to Z, everything that you spoke about was amazing. And I know for me, it was very helpful and I'm so excited to share it with the education amazing. world. So and listen- uh, I really appreciate your time. Thank you. Okay, listen, Hatzlacha Rabbi, with all of your wonderful work. Amen. And I'm um, looking forward to being in touch, okay? Amen. But thank you so Amen. much. 100%. I really appreciate it. For sure, for sure, for sure. Okay, thank you again. This conversation was really, really great. It gave me so much perspective, both towards parenting and towards marriage. It really feels like this episode was so long overdue. The fact that Sean Bias affects our parenting is so clear to me now. And hearing all of the amazing nuggets of wisdom from Rabbi Dr. Yosef Lin were so, so helpful, so practical, especially the ideas around communication, about the timing and how you say things, knowing our triggers, being open to know where our areas of struggle are, and, and much, much more. Next week, we will be having our final episode of season one of Education. It will be a season recap of all of the amazing different nuggets. And then we will be kicking off season two, the final season of Education, at least for now, where each week we'll focus on the developmental stages of different of each and every single different age and the implications for parenting each of those ages with conversations from expert educators from each of those age groups. Wow, that was a lot. And I'm excited to announce a new project that I'm working on with the OU called The Jews Next Door, door as in D-O-R, generation raising next generation of passionate and committed jews a podcast that is completely focused on parenting and each and every single month is going to be something different more to come about that looking forward have an amazing week